Today on Soundtrack Alley, I'll be discussing the underrated horror sci-fi classic from the 1980s, Critters. I'll discuss a few elements on the film itself, talk about some of the background, and share my thoughts in regard to the score by David Newman. So sit back and relax as the show begins now. I am your host, Randy Andrews. Today, I'll be discussing Critters from 1986. This series stood the test of time, and as of now, there are six films in the franchise, but only four that actually matter to the story. Let's talk about some of the film points from the first film. Corey Burton, who voices the Critters, also came up with their language, which he described in interviews as combining elements of French and Japanese. Charles Choido based the design of the Krites on the Looney Tunes character of Taz, the Tasmanian Devil, which is interesting. Uh, Terrence Mann performs the song Power of the Night, as Johnny Steele, especially for the film. The sequence of the critters swallowing a cherry bomb was controlled by puppeteers who were positioned below a hayloft to operate the stomach and eye movements. The crew member, Dwight Roberts, commented that it took some effort to coordinate the critter's bulging stomach and the eyes as it was kneeling over in the hay due to the number of people needed to articulate it. Uh, Grover's Bend, uh, the town where most of the critters take place, uh, it's a nod to the infamous 1938 radio broadcast of War of the Worlds by Orson Welles. The broadcast reported aliens were landing in Grover's Mill and was performed so well that thousands of listeners believed the fake news report that it was true. The broadcast is about aliens landing in a spacecraft and then attacking humankind, just like the plot in Critters. The critter emerging from the toilet is likely an homage to Ghoulies from 1984, two years prior. A similar themed movie that used small monsters coming out of the toilet as their marketing strategy to promote the film. Although widely believed to have been inspired by the success of Joe Dante's Gremlins, Stephen Herrick, 
had refuted this in interviews, pointing out that the script was written by Moore long before Gremlins went into production and subsequently underwent rewrites to reduce the apparent similarities between the two films. And this is nothing like Gremlins. Uh, Stephen Herrick began a friendship with Dominic Muir while working as an assistant editor on City Limits. When Herrick was looking for his next project, Muir offered him his screenplay for Critters, which he had written three years earlier. After working on the script, he pitched it to show films because of the existing working relationship to get advice on how to get the film made in which their executives agreed to develop it. Now, the second bounty hunter, also known as Lee in Critters 2, the main course, a film that we'll cover later in the future, uh, changes his facial features three times to those of Jeff Barnes, who is played by Ethan Phillips, including Barnes' corpse (laughs) features, uh, such as the bones protruding from the wound on the face, Reverend Miller, uh, played by Jeremy Lawrence, and Charlie McFadden, Don Keith Oper. The actor portraying Lee's default form are uncredited and unknown to this day. When the critters are destroying the bedroom, one comes across an E.T. extraterrestrial doll uh, and devours it. He even asks it, who are you? Uh, Due to his bounty hunter role, Ugg, being unnamed at the time, Terrence Mann is credited only for portraying Johnny Steele. Latter appears uh, briefly in a music video shown in two scenes, uh, Bounty Hunter's Briefing on Earth and When Helen is Watching a TV. In the latter, an uh, additional shot of steel in some location is seen apart from the Bond band footage. Among the educational videos that the Bounty Hunters are watching to familiarize themselves with Earth is the short clip from Android, which stars and was co-written by Don Keith Opper, who also stars in Critters. Both Bounty Hunters are unnamed, but their names were given as Ugg and Lee, of course, in Critters 2. This is also the second movie, the other being E.T. Extraterrestrial, uh, with Day Wallace, in which her on-screen son heats up an oral thermometer in order to appear sick to avoid going to school. In E.T., she's fooled, but doesn't buy it at all the second time around in Critters. Now, this is kind of fun. The laser sounds from the ship stolen by critters sound like the ones from the AT-ATs in front of, or in the film, The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, the l- later science fiction film Alienator, which came out in 1990, had a similar plot to Critters. An android assassin known as an alienator goes to Earth to hunt down an alien criminal who has escaped from a prison planet. The body count in Critters is a cow, two humans, eight krites, and several chickens. Now, Don Keith Oper and Terrence Mann are the only actors to appear in all four Critters films. Their characters, Charlie McFadden and Ugg, appear in all four of these 
uh, iterations. Now, this is the only Critters movie in which one of them grows to human size. In different subsequent films, there's something odd that happens with each critter, and it's really unique to each film. It's like they have different powers. Uh, the other movies don't seem to show them growing so big, but they do eat a lot. Uh, the special effects coordinator, Chuck E. Stewart, hired Joe Lombardi as a consultant for the scene of the barn exploding, where they rigged second floor ceiling with Primacord that carried an explosive charge inside it. While a contingent from the Los Angeles County Fire Department was on standby, the crew waited until 5 a.m. to detonate the explosion after winds died down, and no brush fires occurred despite the surrounding dry brush. So, to conclude this movie discussion, uh, there were a total of five poison spikes that were shot from the critters in this movie, and all five of them uh, release kind of like the sedative to where the person falls asleep. In subsequent movies, it doesn't seem like they use it quite as much, but it still happens. So it's interesting. Well, let's talk about a few points on the score for the film. I found the soundtrack to Critters really unique, that it doesn't get enough praise, especially since it's David Newman. Now, David Newman composed Galaxy Quest and The Phantom, among other films. Uh, this score kind of meanders along. Uh, the beginning cues are kind of low-key. Uh, the main theme is over six minutes, which I will play in its entirety. I think it sets things pretty well, especially since, spoiler alert, the critters escape from a ship and land on Earth to wreak havoc in a small town. The score actually does some very clever things. I'll get to a couple of those after you hear the main theme.
So I want to talk about the cues that stood out to me. Uh, first of all, Jay and Brad look for the critters. It's very mysterious and ominous. I love how with the series we get some very clever critters who are hell-bent on consuming people or creating more chaos. Uh, this is just to even feed as well. Uh, now Newman does a really good job with the eerie nose noises known in horror films. Now there's some excellent string writing for the film as well and some of the horns are really well used and the next cue that I want to bring up in is called Looking in the Cellar. It's creepy and strange and gives us this four-note motif for the critter theme. The string sounds are very chaotic and very visceral. I love this cue for that fact alone. It's what makes it an effective horror sci-fi. And the third cue that I'll cover in this suite is a piece called The Bounty Hunters and Critters Get Steve. It seems to meander, but then there's some violent writing for the critters here, and it gives you some very shocking sounds to the cue. I think you'll enjoy it.
The next set of cues is dealing more with the critters eating and seemingly not being stopped. Uh, critters hunt for lunch gives us more of the motif for the critters and the strings gives us this excellent suspense for the film in true terror. Uh, we also get some very unique sounds that come directly from the critters, like it's in the background or, or something. Uh, it's very musically defined. Um, I really love this cue. I love how experimental the writing is for it, and it really stands out to me. Uh, the next piece in the suite I'd like to cover is Brad Burns, a critter. This one is so funny because the critter loses the top of his hair and he's distinguished as different from the others here on. Um, I really love how David Newman really creates this terror from the horns and the strings in this cue. Uh, it's really important to listen to it and see how chaotic it really is. And the last cue in this suite is called Meanwhile Back at the House. It's very chaotic and gives us some unique chimes that create a very colorful palette for the cue. It provides terror and tension that doesn't mean to slow down at any moment. I think it stands out as different from some of the other action in the film. Let's play this suite now. Thank you. 
Well, sadly, we've come down to another end of Soundtrack Alley. The music you've heard is simply some of David Newman's early work. I personally have grown to like it. It fits with the 80s horror and campiness of the series. The cues you'll hear here in the final suite represents that as well. 
The Critter's Are Destroyed is very action-oriented and also gives some very unique noises, once again, that really are representative of the instruments. And I'm not sure what is used in this cue, but it's really interesting to hear uh, those sounds. The House Returns is after it's being blown up because the bounty hunters have destroyed the Krites and Charlie goes with Ugg to become a bounty hunter in space. This piece shows that the house returns to its original form and the family can be happy once again from the utter violent critter attack. It's one of the few sentimental pieces in the score and gives us the hope that we want from a 1980s science fiction and horror film. So the final piece is definitely top-notch 80s jam because it creates a truly rocking sound for the critters and it's honestly really quite catchy uh it's called critter skitter and is played during the ending credits i think you'll appreciate it so you can find me on social media check out my website soundtrackalley.com and check out my instagram check out my facebook page all at soundtrack alley also check out my work over at cinematic sound radio uh, with shows like The Essential Soundtracks and Anime Spectacular. I'll be having a new Anime Spectacular coming soon. I'd like to thank Alexander Shebel for composing Soundtrack Alley's theme music. And until next time, enjoy these cues and happy listening.
thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley. If you are an Apple podcast, please give the show a five-star rating. Check out the content over at SoundtrackAlley.com, as well as Cinematic Sound Radio, where most of my new material is posted. If you have a comment, question, or concern, please email me at SoundtrackAlley at gmail.com. 